Hello and welcome to SEO is not that hard. I'm your host Ed Dawson, the founder of keywordspeopleuse.com, the solution to finding the questions people ask online. In today's episode I'm going to talk about the next steps in the Google Quality Rotor process, the wider website and content creators. In the last episode, we covered the start of the Google quality rating process that raters go through when evaluating a web page, how they determine the purpose of the page, whether it's beneficial for users or harmful, whether it's a your money, your life, YMYL topic, and then they identify the parts of the page that are main content, supplemental content and advertisement content. So if you've not already listened to that one, then I'd strongly suggest you go back and listen to that one first before you come back to listen to this. Now. Let's look at the next steps in the rater process, which are understanding the website the web page belongs to as a whole and determining who created the content of the web page. Okay, so we're still in the point of the process where the rater is still just collating information about um, the web page and the website that they've been asked to rate. They've not specifically been asked to give a rating yet. They're still in the information gathering stage. So they've obviously, the last episode we covered how they looked at the web page. Now, have been asked to look at the actual website as a whole because obviously a web page exists as part of a website so it's important to learn about the actual website that it's on and see how that page works in context on the website. This is important because some of the criteria in the page quality rating are based on the rater's understanding of the website that the page belongs to. There are three steps in this process. Um, step one is find out who is responsible for the website. Step two is who created the content on the page itself. Step three is to then look for information about the website and the content creators on the website itself. So step one, to find out who's responsible for the website, the guidelines tell the rater to go to the website's homepage. And they suggest the ways to find the homepage is, in most cases, to look for the logo or a link in the top of the web page that says home or main, that kind of thing. So it's clear that it's obviously important to have that kind of thing on your site. Most do already, but that is, that is important. Um, and yeah, to click that link and to then visit the homepage. They do give instructions on how to find a homepage if you can't find such a link. And they say that sites can still be high quality if, if it's not obviously easy how to get back to the home page but i think it's clear here that you know every page should really have an obvious easy visible link back to the home page so once they found the home page the next question they're told to ask themselves is who is responsible for the website and who created the content on the page they're evaluating now who doesn't have to be a specific person that's a mistake that a lot of people make that it needs to think it needs to be a person it can be an individual, it can be a company, business, organisation, government agency, any kind of organisation. Someone or something has to be responsible, so it doesn't have to be a person. In some cases it might make sense for it to be a person, but in other cases not. Um, for example, if you think about a site like a, a government agency, that's obviously very authoritative, will have authoritative information, but most of the authors of the content on there won't be actually named people. Um, so it doesn't have to have an author bio or that kind of thing for a page, but it just needs to be clear um, for anyone on that page who the organisation is that's responsible for this. The types of pages that the raters are sort of pointed at to try and find this information are pages like Contact Us, About Us, About Pages, um, official blogs, those kind of things. So it's clear that it's obviously very important on any site to have those kind of pages. Right, so then asked to work out who was the, um, created the main content 
on the page that they're evaluating. Um, and there's multiple scenarios for this because the website owner and the content creator might not be the same people. So for example, in some cases, the website owner may have created the page and also much of the main content on the page. So this will be things like home pages. Um, it could be pages um, like on a um, e-commerce site where it's a product page where there's no obvious author. So that's still the, the website owner is the um, main content creator. And that's quite normal to have. Um, another case could be the website owner created the page, but the main content is produced by authors um, or other content creators that the website identifies. So this could be like a newspaper opinion piece or a magazine article written by a specific journalist or scientific journals, that kind of thing, where it's important that a single person is named. But you might notice on other pages on news websites, more sort of common articles, they might not have an actual named author, and that's fine. Um, next example is the web page consists of social media posts from a single account that represents an individual content creator or organization. So that's where you're on a social network, um, but you're posting as a particular person. And then the fourth one is a web page is created by multiple users engaging in discussion or posting on social media. So like a, a Reddit type thing or a big discussion on Facebook where there's multiple people. Um, so there's not necessarily a single creator. And again, that's normal. And those creators on sites like that may only be identified by aliases or usernames. So even though they're not related to specific people um, that you can sort of track back to, um, that's considered as absolutely normal. And with all the Reddit um, posts appearing recently higher up in the SERPs, then you, know, you can see that it's obviously something that they're happy with. So the third part is now to look at um, the ways which a user can communicate with a website. So there's many reasons people might want to contact a website, they might want to report a problem with this website, might want to ask for content to be removed, they might um, need to get customer service. It very much depends upon the type of site um, that you are that will determine what level of information you need to give. So for example, sites that handle money such as e-commerce, banks, credit card companies, that kind of thing, they're going to have to provide an awful lot more information about how to contact the website, how to get customer service, because obviously that's very YMYL you know, where, where money's involved, people need to be able to get in contact with someone if there's an issue. Um, for shopping websites, they specifically say there's going to be some extra checks, um, such as policies on payment, exchanges and returns. Uh, and they suggest that, you know, the place to look for this might be a page listed like customer service. Other websites, they will need far fewer details and less contact information. So if it's just a human website, um, there might not be, and they might not need the level of detailed information that you'd expect from a bank. Um, but I think they still want there to be some kind of mechanism for um, feedback or contact to be made. They also give examples of where uh, a site user might want to be uh, anonymous or a certain level of anonymity, such as a personal website where there's no real reason for them to be giving out um, physical addresses um, or necessary phone numbers or necessary real names. They also uh, explicitly state that if it's a site with a lot of user-generated content, then authors of that user-generated content are allowed to identify themselves with an alias or a username only. So again, in that case, there's not going to be any um, direct 
link back to a real person and that's quite normal. We're almost at the point now where ratings will actually start to be made. Um, but let's just recap what we've come to so far, what the actual rate has been asked to look so far. So they've determined the purpose of the web page, whether it's beneficial or harmful, whether it's your money, your life topic, and the parts of the page which are main content, supplemental content and advertisement content. They've also looked at the website that the page belongs to in greater detail with things such as who's responsible for the website, who created the main content on the page itself. They've looked for information about the website itself and the actual content creators. They've um, also looked at how to contact the website, what kind of details are relevant for this type of page. So they've now got an overview of the page itself and also how it sits within the website that it belongs to and some information about that website. So the next step is now going to be where they'll start to actually rate elements of the page and the content creator um, specifically and we'll cover those in the next episode. Thanks for listening, I really appreciate it. Please subscribe and share, it really helps. SEO is not that hard is brought to you by keywordspeopleuse.com, the solution to finding the questions people ask online. See why thousands of people use us every day. Try it today for free at keywordspeopleuse.com. If you want to get in touch or have any questions, I'd love to hear from you. I'm at Channel 5 on Twitter. Or you can email me at podcast at keywordspeopleuse.com. Bye for now and see you in the next episode of SEO is Not That Hard.